Hi, welcome to episode 13 of The Accidental Curator. My name is George Bathgate, and I'm coming to you from Main Island today. Um, yeah, most of my episodes over the last year, just because of the pandemic and various other things, have been coming from Kitsilino and Vancouver. But um, I've been jonesing to bring my equipment over to the island and do a little recording from this lovely uh, corner office desk that I have that overlooks Active Pass. So here I am. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a gray overcast day, quite cold out right now. It's about October the 25th, I believe. And um, yeah, it's been two months, I guess, since I last put out an episode. It was August. And I was em- embroiled in the busyness of my uh, gallery cafe, Shavasana Gallery Cafe on Main Island. So not a lot of opportunity to, work, to really sit down and, and record anything for you, but uh, I've got a new story that I'd like to put out, and it's going to come to you today. Um, I did want to say a couple things, yeah, just about the whole process of having the podcast. When, when I started up two years ago, I created this in the fall of 2020 during the height of the pandemic, and my gallery was closed. Uh, you know, there was a lot of public fear around. There was a mix of reality and fear and governments trying to do the right thing. But uh, anyway, I heeded the orders to close and it was pretty much um, out of business for a while. So I needed something creative to do. And because of inspiration, some uh, support of friends and loved ones and a bit of financial support, uh, I was able to put this thing together. Um and I got to say, it's been largely enjoyable. It's been quite a lot of fun. You know, I I like writing stories, and I like recording. Uh, it seems to be um, pleasurable. So, I find with anything creative, at least in my life, if you know, and probably for most of you, if you're if you're not enjoying it, you just should really stop doing it. Whether it's art or sculpture or music, if you're not driving pleasure, then others likely won't as well. So. It's been fun, and I've been, you know, doing it sporadically, like I say, every couple of months. But, um, and I like playing with the uh, GarageBand software. You know, I'm slowly using how to, slowly learning how to use this and put in a few effects and create a passable podcast. But I realized recently that as I continue pumping these things out, um, my original stated intention for the podcast changed, and I should probably update it so as not to mislead anyone who may be tuning in. And the original introduction on the website host contained the following line. It said, join me for short stories and interviews with island creatives, activists, and other heart-centric denizens. Well, after doing a few interviews, I realized that my heart was more into pursuing my own creative writing path of short stories. And a larger narrative, you know, you can call it a book or a script, which I'm working on, uh, which is... Uh, taking a long time to get off the ground. It's uh, kind of a grueling process I'm finding. But with that in mind, I have at least temporarily shelved the interview portion of this podcast to work on my writing. Uh, The replacement line in the introduction will now read, join me for short stories, an evolving narrative, and an unfolding creative generalist's dream on this accidental journey. So I hope that isn't uh, a little too flowery or cloying. I just wanted to emphasize the fluidity of this project and the evolving nature of my own creative role in it. And now, without further ado, 
Once again, this is episode 13 of The Accidental Curator, and this new story that I've written is called Why Don't You Just Kill Rambo? Rambo barked at butterflies. Rambo barked at bees. Rambo barked at sunshine and the cool autumn breeze. He lunged and snapped at babies, fangs bared at you and me. Rambo barked at everything. Die now, Rambo. Die now, please. We suspect that the real estate agent asked the neighbors to hide their dog Rambo in their house while she was showing her listing to prospective purchasers such as I and my eight-and-a-half-months-pregnant wife, Elaine, on that sunny but crisp February morning. We were a young couple with a baby on the way, and this was our first house purchase, so we were operating at maximum busy, excited and optimistic. Perhaps because of this, we weren't as attentive to important details, such as the character and compatibility of our new neighbors. But on that day, none of that mattered. All seemed well, and our offer was made and accepted. We were the new owners of a sweet little stucco bungalow on West 17th Avenue in Vancouver. We took possession quickly, loaded up a truck with our belongings, and enlisted the help of friends to make setting up our nest as smooth and fun as possible. I don't remember when Rambo started barking. We were so busy in those early days, setting up house, working at our respective jobs, buying baby things and getting ready for Elaine's due date, which was just weeks away that everything else dropped off the radar. We had met our new neighbors, a seemingly pleasant middle-aged Greek couple who ran a restaurant up on Broadway and were the proud parents of five daughters ranging in age from six to 16. And we were vaguely aware that they owned a rather large German shepherd which seemed confined to their backyard. Dogs bark. It's normal for them to do so, and is part of the background noise or fabric of city life. Lots of people, lots of dogs, lots of barking. I like dogs, a lot, and always try and befriend them when, wherever I go. In fact, I can, I'm a complete idiot when it comes to dogs, and will crouch down on one knee in the street if I see someone walking a dog in hopes that I can pet them. Do you mind if I say hello to your dog, I implore? Oh yes, go right ahead. Bart or Fluffy or Rex is very friendly. And then it's all sweet lovin's and hugs and ear rubs. Rarely am I warned off with a, no, no, please maintain your distance. Satan is trained to kill and will lunge for your throat without a moment's warning. But there are such dogs. Our son was born on March the 11th, just weeks after we had moved into our new home. The delivery went smoothly and soon we were cuddling and fawning over eight pounds, 13 ounces of joy that would transform our lives. Elaine only needed a day or so in the hospital before she and our new baby, Cameron, were deemed safe to go home. A typical Vancouver lot is 33 feet wide by 120 feet long. Usually there is a thin three or four foot strip along one side of the house with a sidewalk allowing for access to the backyard and a fence separating the neighboring property. We parked on the street and for some reason decided to walk along this sidewalk with Cam bundled up in my arms to enter via the back door. It was a lovely day and Elaine walked on ahead as I navigated the narrow sidewalk 
while learning how to safely carry a baby. Suddenly, I heard rapid movement in the neighbor's yard, and then, out of nowhere, 80 pounds of unexpected German shepherd ferocity was leaning over the fence, lunging, snapping, and barking, fangs bared at me and our days-old baby. I automatically protected Cam's head with my hand as I pressed him closer to my body and crab-walked sideways into the backyard, with my face almost scraping the stucco wall, trying to avoid Rambo's bite. Elaine turned in horror as I scrambled to safely with Cam. Jesus, are you guys okay? she asked, as I handed Cameron to her, who was, by the way, still sleeping and completely nonplussed by the situation. Jesus, that scared the shit out of me, I said. We're going to have to mention that to the neighbors. Be super careful if we ever need to walk alongside the house until we get this thing sorted out. That evening, I wandered over and rang Dimitri's doorbell. One of his daughters answered the door and called out, Dad! We had already met the neighbors, and they seemed like very amicable people. When Dimitri appeared, I explained our scary and awkward encounter with his threatening dog, and he was most apologetic. Oh no, we are so sorry about that, and with the new baby. Rambo is very protective of my girls, and we have him because we work late at our restaurant. He keeps our girls safe when they are at home. He's just not used to you yet, as you are new. We'll keep him on the back deck, so he won't lean over the fence at you again. So sorry. Thus assured, I went home and told Elaine about the solution to our little problem. All seemed well. The next few months were a haze of new parenthood, settling into our new digs and grappling with all the demands that life throws at 30-somethings in the late 1980s. We discovered, quite quickly, that Rambo's deck was on the back of the neighbor's house, on the same side and level as our bedroom, about 10 to 15 feet away from where we would be trying to sleep, and that, as well as his violent demeanor, Rambo was an incessant barker. I have a gift. It is the gift of sleep, and I am blessed to be able to sleep almost anywhere and through nearly all conditions. Noise has never been an impediment to sleep, until Rambo. And I should explain that, in fact, it wasn't Rambo's barking that woke me up at night, but Elaine's sharp elbow and insistent voice saying, George, jab, jab, George, jab, jab, George, jab, jab. Rambo's barking, and it's going to wake the baby. That's every night this week. Uh, okay, honey, I said, rousing from my deep sleep. What do you suggest? That dog has been barking almost constantly since we moved in two months ago. It can't go on. Between breastfeeding Cameron and Rambo's barking, I'm not getting any sleep. Why don't you go over and knock on their door and ask them to keep their dog quiet? It's only 2 a.m. I don't think Dimitri or Sophia are back from the restaurant. Well then, go and talk to one of the daughters. They can deal with it. Uh, okay, I said, pulling myself out of bed. I slipped on my house coat and some shoes and headed out. Most of the houses on the street were built in the 1940s and 50s and were equipped with the old-school round white plastic doorbell. I pushed it twice, then a third time, before I could hear the sounds of someone stirring inside, against the background of Rambo's now feverish barking. A young girl's trembling voice came through the door. Who is it? Hi, I said. It's George, your next-door neighbor. 
Hey, Rambo's barking a lot, and it's waking our baby. Can you bring him inside or something? Oh, sorry, she said. I think it was the 12-year-old girl. Okay, I'll bring him in. Thank you. Good night. Problem solved, I thought. It seemed like such a simple solution. Just bring Rambo into the house at night, as we were all getting ready to go to sleep. Ah, I felt a wave of relief and satisfaction that I had effectively completed my man duty and protected my own family from this noisy, disruptive beast. Going one step further, I vowed to get their phone number in case I was ever in such a situation again and would just phone rather than looking like a sketchy guy in a housecoat standing on a porch at 2 a.m. in the morning. The system seemed to work for a while. Ramble was still a crazy, threatening barkaholic from his porch, but the girls made an effort to bring him in at night, and if they forgot, I could just phone and they would oblige. But then they seemed to lose the thread of the agreement and either forgot to bring him in at night or just wouldn't answer the phone. After several more months of this hit-and-miss solution, as Elaine's late-night elbow jabs were becoming more frequent and insistent, and I was becoming more irritated at the neighbor's intransigence, I came up with the bright idea that perhaps I could recondition Rambo not to bark through negative reinforcement or punishment in layman's terms. We left the hose out at all times, and I would spray Rambo any time we were walking by, and he was going rabid on us. But he figured this game out fairly quickly and would go to the other end of the porch to avoid the cold water and continue barking. Late one night, I got out of bed to have a cigarette and spray Rambo when Dimitri, who also happened to be home, leaned out the window and said, Hey, why are you spraying my dog? Well, Dimitri, I said, between puffs, he sounds like he's getting a little hoarse from all the constant barking. No one answered the phone when I called. We didn't hear the phone, he said. Well, can you take him inside now? I asked. No, he's all wet. I put the hose down and went inside, angry. The system, which also included civility, seemed to be breaking down. Elaine had gone back to work with her maternity leave ended, but we were still wrestling with the Rambo problem after a year of seeking possible solutions. We griped about this situation to friends, family, and co-workers because it had become a seemingly insoluble problem that we were obsessed with. During one dinner party, after a few glasses of wine, our friend Dave said, Why don't you just kill Rambo? We all paused at this suggestion and looked at Dave to see if he was serious. Sure, he said, you just need some kind of poison. Wrap it in a piece of steak and chuck it up on the porch. After this length of time, it almost seemed like a good idea, but no, 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 we couldn't do that. We both liked dogs way too much to even contemplate such an act and realized that this wasn't really Rambo's fault. It was the owner's fault because they hadn't trained him properly and weren't dealing with a viable solution. Hmm, I thought, maybe we could just... Kill Dimitri and Sophia, I suggested. Our guests laughed, as they were used to my dark sense of humor. I may have a solution for you guys, said Elaine's co-worker Milo. Milo was a very clever guy, who was a skilled technician with BC Tell. 
I could set up a high-pitched sound feedback device that would blast Rambo with a high-pitched noise only audible to a dog's ears every time he barked. It's kind of an immediate feedback loop. His bark triggers a switch on a noise sensor which triggers the other high-pitched noise amplifier. Essentially, the high-pitched noise would hurt his hearing and train him not to bark through negative feedback. Wow, said Elaine and I in unison. What a great idea, Milo. I mean, it sounds like a long shot, but we're willing to try anything. Within days, the affable and earnest Milo returned with the device, which he had fabricated in his workshop at home. He'd even attached it to a wall bracket, which would screw into the side of our house, close to our bedroom window, so we could run a power cord to an inside wall plug. It looked a little cumbersome, like a 1950s sci-fi illustration of a death ray machine. And if that was the net result, we would not be heartbroken, but we were hoping that Milo's high-tech solution proved worthy of its promises. We plugged it in. Rambo, of course, had been barking incessantly since Milo showed up, outraged by the appearance of this stranger doing strange things in our yard. When the device was finally installed and plugged in, we all held our breath, hoping that Rambo would collapse in a puddle of furry, whimpering discomfort with each bark. We watched closely, trying to detect any sign of negative feedback loop effect, which might indicate that Milo's device was working. I, th I think I saw him wince, I said. He's got a, a kind of puzzled, quizzical look, I think, said Elaine. Maybe I need to turn it up to 11, said Milo. Yes, yes, we agreed. 11, 12, 19, max it out, Milo. Let's see what this baby can do. After a few more tweaks and adjustments, we all stood in the yard, intently looking at Rambo, which infuriated him into a spasm of frothy barking. Whatever behavioral modification benefits the inflicted pain might have given us seemed to be offset by the additional frenzy Rambo was exhibiting from receiving it. This new discomfort just made him crazier. Plus, wily beast that he was, he moved farther back on the deck, seemingly to get away from the range of pain. Give it a week, said Milo. It'll take a little while to see if it works. We gave it a month. It didn't work. And we fell into some kind of despair. Well, honey, we've tried everything, said Elaine. Do you think it's time to exercise the Dave option? No, I can't even seriously contemplate that, I said. There is the noise bylaw infraction. Maybe it's time to get city government on our side. Show Dimitri and Sophia that we mean business. Hit them in the pocketbook where it hurts with a nice big fine. Leave this one to me, honey. I'll call the city. The Vancouver City dog barking noise bylaw infraction process is, in itself, a descent into a Kafkaesque bureaucratic nightmare. After 18 months of frustration and fruitless effort, this appeared to be the last avenue open to us short of exercising the Dave option. A labyrinth of paperwork, identifications, reporting, discussions and explanations, delays, and perhaps most unfair of all, the need to use a log called a barking package to record the day, time, and duration of barking and the impact that it has on you, which was, at that time, several months. If the animal control officer thinks you have a case, it goes to the city prosecutor to set up a court date, which you must attend, and if successful, a fine is set from start to finish. This whole process took about four or five months, countless hours of my time, 
and in the end, they were fined $75 for a first offense, with a warning. And all the while, Rambo barked and barked. Well, that was a complete waste of time, I said, with resignation. Five months of effort, and they get a $75 fine and a warning. And our problem hasn't gone away. How shitty is that? We sat in the front room and looked out the picture window as two-year-old Cam played happily with his toys, as toddlers do. Maybe they'll make more of an effort to control Rambo, said Elaine. If we continue with the noise bylaw, the fines get heavier, and I think they can have their dog impounded. Money doesn't seem to be a problem for those guys, I said, and if Rambo gets impounded, they'd probably just get a bigger, meaner, noisier dog to protect the girls from monsters at night. A Rottweiler with a personality disorder, or a Mastiff with a childhood trauma. Something so psychotic and big, we'd never be able to sleep or access our sidewalk again. Elaine could tell I was embellishing for playful effect, and she smiled. I don't know, she said. I guess for the time being, we have to go back to square one and call them a night if we're woken up. What other option do we have? Being as you're too cowardly to do the manly thing and go over there and break Rambo's neck. Now it was my turn to smile. Yeah, let's just take it one day at a time, I said. I guess we'll need a fresh supply of earplugs. Whatever reprieve we were hoping for was short-lived. 2 a.m., days after the court decision. Bark, bark, bark. Jab, jab, jab. George, Rambo's barking. I know, I know. You don't have to jab me with your elbow anymore. I hear him. You've effectively conditioned me to be as noise-sensitive as you, I said testily. I always hear him. There is no escape. And then from down the hall, and Cameron's crying. He's probably still a bit feverish. Why don't you go deal with Cammy, and I'll try calling the neighbors. I threw in my house coat and went to the phone where the Kakabalakis family's number was written on a yellow sticky note. Bark, 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 went Rambo. Went Cameron. Bark, 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 bark. I thought I was losing my mind as I anxiously dialed their number. Ring, 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 ring. Ring, ring, bark, wah, ring. Please, God, make it stop. Then someone picked up the phone. There was no greeting, so I just launched in. Hi, it's George next door. Our little boy is really not feeling well, and Rambo's barking is disturbing his sleep and ours. There was no reply, a brief hesitation, and then they hung up the phone. Where does mercurial anger start? From the toes? Does it build and flow from our extremities? Rushing carelessly like a raging river through our veins, gaining strength as it cascades through our hearts on its way to the brain where it explodes and washes away the dikes and dams of learned civil behavior? The pent-up anger and frustration of two years of dealing with this issue boiled over, and I totally lost my shit, as they say. I grabbed my shoes and headed out the door. General Bon Tabernac, I swore in my passable Quebecois. Hang up on me when I've got a sick baby, you fuckers, I muttered under my breath. Having a sick baby can add a sense of righteousness to an indignant rage, so I 
definitely pulled that card out of my anger deck. I marched, I marched across their lawn and ran up their stairs and began leaning on the doorbell. Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. I didn't let up on this for five minutes, and it's probably good that no one came to the door. I'd become the monster that Dimitri was trying to protect his family from, an enraged man who had taken leave of his senses. While on the porch, I started kicking their aluminum screen door as well, putting a sizable dent into the lower half of it, and then, realizing it might be time to leave before the police showed up, managed to kick all their potted plants off the front steps on my way back down. Good thing I wasn't drunk or it could have gotten ugly. The next morning we sat in the kitchen having coffee, discussing this new escalation in events. I think Elaine may have been secretly pleased by my outburst because it served as a long overdue release of her own pent-up frustration and anger but also horrified because it represented a new low in our neighborly relations. I totally get why you did that, she says. We've really been put through the ringer on this. If I hadn't been looking after Cammy, I might have gone over and gotten into some kind of scrap with those guys myself. Now it's not just Rambo we have to worry about, it's Dimitri's reaction and our emotional well-being. God, what if he gets a second dog for the front yard to protect his girls from late-night angry neighbors? Sigh. Such a shitty situation. I don't even like living here anymore. Any ideas? We sat for a while in silence, sipping our coffees and pondering our situation, when there was a knock at the door. Shit, that's probably Dimitri coming to chew me out and seek restitution for damages. I'll get it, I said. I opened the door, and there was a smiling, bright-faced woman with short blonde hair holding some pamphlets. Hi, she said. My name's Sue Clayton Carroll. I'm a realtor, and I'm dropping off some flyers because I just sold a house down the street, which is quite like yours, for $250,000, and I'm checking to see if you have any interest in selling. My eyes widened at this amount. Maybe I salivated a bit, as it was fully double what we'd paid just two short years ago. I could see out of the corner of my eye Elaine sit bolt upright on the couch when she heard the amount. Hi, Sue, she said. I'm Elaine. I co-own this house with George. I'm George's wife. So if we wanted to sell with you, would you be willing to ask our next-door neighbor to take their dog Rambo indoors during the open house? He's a little noisy. Oh, oh, I'm sure that wouldn't be a problem, said Sue. We realtors are asked to do that all the time. All right, that was episode 13 of The Accidental Curator, Why Don't You Just Kill Rambo. Um, and again, thanks very much for coming out. I hope you enjoyed that story. I had a fun time writing it, and uh, it was even fun to read it. Uh, you know, again, this is all an ongoing process for me, as I mentioned earlier, and it's I find it interesting just to read. I think I'm a fairly good reader. You know, I have some experience doing this uh, through my little theater company that I had with Craig Laven, um, which is called Just Push Play Audio Motion Theater. We haven't really produced much over the years, but yeah, I was I was doing writing and some uh, recording with, with that group, and uh, it's, like I say, it's a fun process. So 
hope you enjoyed it and uh, I would love to get another one of these out in the next month or two uh, my, my my gallery cafe is closed down for the season right now so I'm kind of operating on my fall winter schedule which frees up a lot more time for me to do these other creative projects that I'm working on like I said short stories uh, the book that I'm attempting to write and the podcast so those are the things I'm working on right now and if I had never mentioned this previously I also do some ceramic mask making and uh, just finished uh, a new mask which sold I sold uh, two recently which was quite lovely nice to do that (laughs) nice to make a little additional cash when you're a, a creative um, so all that being said, I thank you once again for uh, listening to, to my show today. And this is also available on Google Podcasts and on Apple Podcasts. Uh, primarily, I work through Podbean, which is the host, and produce it all on GarageBand. So that's my little process. And um, that's about all for now. Thanks again. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.